The Creative Trust podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we create and record this podcast as the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I just loved that there was this really sort of ugly, dirty, dying part of it and that was really special but the best bit was is when I posted it, Jeff Latham in LA reposted it. That's a big moment. And that was just like, The Creative Trust podcast is an exploration into the minds of some of the world's best creatives. We are endlessly fascinated with the ephemeral and the intangible. We make sense of it through our creative process. Over the last two decades, we have created countless installations, each one put up, pulled down, each one leaving an enduring mark on its audience. Gloss Creative and our stellar alumni share everything with you, how people become creative and what we know to be true about the creative process. Amanda Henderson founded Gloss Creative as her way of navigating creatively through life, learning early on that she could make audiences fall in love with environments simply by making them feel and experience something. Memories that last long after the physical immersion have gone. It crystallized her long-held belief that your business plan is to harness your unbridled creative force. And creative renewal is your most important weapon over time. Welcome to the Creative Trust. This morning as I opened the door to uh, the studio... I literally was squealing with excitement and jumping up and down because today um, sees the incredible return of Cecilia Fox. I have Mel Stapleton with me here, which is very exciting. She's an incredible sustainable florist, creative director and mentor who I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with for 18 years, a maybe. Long time. Yeah, yeah, a long time. Welcome back from New Zealand. Thank Thanks you. for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's just, it's such a joy to be back in Melbourne, and this is just the icing on the cake. Okay. Yeah. You've been pretty busy during the week. You've been doing some workshops. And I've stuff. been doing workshops. I've been doing mentoring. I've been visiting friends oh. and eating Melbourne food Great. and all of all of the best of Melbourne going to see live music and yeah it's oh, just been fantastic awesome. well we have definitely missed you Mel um oh. we really have we were all devastated when you left yeah we have such a hole for oh, us but thank you <laughs> yeah but you know you've built up an incredible community here so yeah. you know we were able to work with them as well so yeah, that's it's been, fantastic yeah amazing oh good but glad you're here today yeah thanks so much for having me <laughs> no worries so we've got as I said a lot to get through yeah. once again <laughs> um we always have so there are things that I always find out about people on these podcasts mm-hmm. and one I really don't know How did you get creative? How did you grow up? Mm, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because I've been listening to the podcast and listening to what other people have been saying. And I grew up in New Zealand, in Auckland, and my parents were in the rag trade. So I grew up underneath a cutting room table in my parents' fashion 
store that they had. They had three. And so they made clothes. They made clothes. They designed wow. clothes. They they did everything. They did everything right from the pattern making through to the retail. And in New Zealand at that time, it was it was incredibly close. Uh, we didn't have a lot of there was a lot of importation laws, so yes. we couldn't get clothes from overseas at all. And when those changed, you know, the the fashion industry really changed in New Zealand. And my parents kind of got out of that but I definitely have vivid memories of sitting underneath a cutting table and hearing the electric cutting knife going across and sitting underneath making brooches perhaps they were with little bits of pins or always sort of being in my mum's sewing room which was sort of this dark dingy little room either at the back of the shop or later we had it at our house and I always remember going through the drawers of buttons and the drawers of zips and the, all of the things. And my grandmother also played, was also in the rag trade. She was a factory manager. That's how my parents met. So oh. she was sort of the scary lady that, um, that did all the finishing. And my mother went to her and asked her when she started her own label, would she do her finishing for her as well? And that's how she met my father. So we've always had a really creative world, but you know what it's like when you're creating all the time, perhaps it doesn't feel as creative as it looks from the outside that, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of hard work. Mm. It's laborious. 5% yeah. fabulous and 95% yeah. hard work. Absolutely. And long hours and all of those things. So that's where we kind of grew up, my sister and I, and yeah. Um, we had a huge garden and so there was a lot of tree climbing and eating fijoas and do we have fijoas in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah. I've eaten them. Yeah. It's a big thing in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful. They are. Everyone loves them. Yeah. But we had, yeah, lots of beautiful big trees that we would climb and hide and we were, I feel like we were left to our own devices quite a lot because there was my sister and I and later on my parents had another another girl, another child, Sophie. And so that happened when I was 13. But up until 13, it was just my sister Danielle and I, and we we went on these wild adventures in this, you know, quarter acre block that we had that um, felt enormous when you're a child. So did you kind of construct your own world, do you think? Or? Yeah, definitely. We had, um, sounds really strange when I think about it now, but there was a factory next door to our house on a very suburban street, there was no other factories. It was just this one factory and it was a plastics factory. So they made like binders or folders and things like really weird things like this. Anyway, we used to creep over our fence into, they had sort of this like disused, overgrown kind of thing in the back of the factory and we would dig and we would find treasure. There was oh. so much. It was like little plastic, bits of plastic things that maybe weren't right. So they'd been tipped out the back or whatever it was. <laughs> and so we did have our own little world and tree climbing was a huge, huge part, part of, of it. it. <laughs> so it's interesting that you've got the sort of the nature aspect and this sort of process of creativity already mm. there when you were young. How was school for you then? I was incredibly, incredibly shy. 
So I went through a lot of my schooling hiding in the toilets. Very, I was excruciatingly shy. I really struggled academically. And looking back now, I probably, I don't even know that, you know, if there was a child that was hiding in the toilets during maths, someone would notice, but no one seemed to notice then. (laughs) And I, I did have a lot of friends, but I never felt particularly held by that place. Like school just wasn't really my thing. Wasn't my thing at all. Even right from primary school, I remember starting primary school telling the teacher that my parents were actually going to come and get me early and just going and sitting out the front of the school oh, and wait until too three o'clock until oh, they came to pick oh, me up. What did the teacher I say? Just, okay. Uh, yeah, they were like, oh, okay, next time bring a note. Okay. <laughs> oh, so too cute. it just wasn't my place at all. Even in your teenage years? So I, when I turned 15, my parents moved from one side of Auckland to the other side of Auckland. And I actually thought my throat had been cut. <laughs> I thought that my life was over. They've destroyed your world. Completely destroyed my world <laughs> that I'd thought. And so when in that school holidays, when I'd finished fifth form, I'm not sure what the equivalent At, is. What, 15? Yeah, year nine or? Yeah. So you have your first sort of big exams. Yeah. Passed those exams, did well. And I ended up, mum said to me, you need to get a job in the school holidays. That's a really good way to meet new people in this new suburb that we're living in. And so she said, there's a florist shop. Go and get a job in that florist shop. So, so she, and I was still excruciatingly shy. And I just, I, I did ballet for my whole youth up until when oh. I was 15. Um, so from five to 15, I was always doing ballet. And I'd given up recently as well. So this move had come. I'd given up ballet. and I was sort of at a bit of a loss. I didn't, and I was about to start a new high school. And so I went into this shop. My mum stood out the front so I couldn't run away. And <laughs> I went in. The shop was called Colleen Murphy Florist Shoppy. Of course. Of course. We love a double P <laughs> on the end. <laughs> and I went in and said, hello, could I, you know, do you need any help? Could, you know, do you need an apprentice? And they said, oh, we don't want any part-time. We don't need anyone part-time, but we we are looking for a full-time junior florist. And I was like, well, I, I just want a holiday job. I don't want to be a junior florist. Thank you. <laughs> and left. And my mum said, no, go back in and tell them that you'll do it. And if you don't like it, just leave when the school, when school starts. Genius, your mum was smart. So I did. I went in and the rest is history. That was my, uh, yeah, my first, my first job. I was so shy and speaking to customers was just almost impossible for me. But I really pushed through it at that stage. I didn't understand about giving people change. I didn't, I was incredibly sheltered. I'd been either at school or at ballet my entire life or in the back of my parents' shop. I just, it was huge, huge, huge time in my life. And 
Yeah, I fell in love with flowers and I never went back to school. Perfect. (laughs) That, I mean, that thing of finding what you want. Yeah. The relief of that is something that's so fantastic when you find that thing that you can do to navigate through your world Mm. that the craft or the making, the thing that you do, that when you do it, everything else in your life just pulls back. Yeah. And there's this moment of being with the present. Yeah. Did you feel that kind of I think thing it or? felt like the only thing that I was I was finally good at something. That even if it was because the junior florist at Colleen Murphy Florist, florist, uh her job was to make a lot of instant coffee for her senior florists, sweep the floor, clean out the funeral buckets, which sounds as awful as what it was, sweep, make coffee, repeat. So so how was how long was it before you started to be able to do It was stuff? probably six months before I was allowed to sort of make the door posies, which were the posies that sat at the in the doorway to, you know, that were $15 or $15. Oh, yep. And yep. so if you didn't have any old flowers that you had to use, you got to design your own, you know, little line of posies. And if they sold, you could repeat, Wow, you know, the combination that you'd make, the colour combination. That's that motivation. <laughs> and commerce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really, it was amazing. And what I loved about that particular florist is they thought that in suburban Auckland, they were the best florist in the world. They were, they they loved loved it. it. They loved it. They felt like they were at the absolute top of their game. And it was, yeah, it was really, really interesting. Yeah, that's nice. Whatever level people are working at, if they love it and they feel Mm. confident in it, that's kind of, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. it. That's all you need. And that everyone gets on that vibe and it's mm. a beautiful team no matter what you're doing, mm. you know? Yeah. So um, from Auckland, I decided that I needed to get out and I moved to Sydney for a very short time, for maybe six months, and I worked at the Flower Man in Double Bay and, you know, I loved it. was more flowers than I'd ever seen in my life. It was amazing. Right. Loved it. I moved back to Auckland briefly and then I moved to the UK I moved to London and I started freelancing there and it was the best thing that ever happened to me I have so many incredible memories from that time when I was freelancing um I have a particular special woman that I worked with um Louise Woodhouse uh, who had a florist in London at the time and she she was young she was really vibrant she was contemporary and she was just blowing apart this like very old school world of London you can imagine flower. how you know strict it might be oh yeah and everyone is so set in their ways and you know the immense wealth over there in events and in everything, in hotels, is so, so different to Australia and New Zealand. Mm. I was, I have a vivid memory of bumping in Christmas. Yeah, I can't even remember which year it would have been. It was Christmas 
and it was at the Dorchester Hotel. So Louise had a contract with the Dorchester, which was a really big deal because they're a very, very old, Mm. very old school hotel. And she was, there was perspex, there was a lot of stuff. And so for Christmas, we were doing Christmas foliage, but with oranges wired to it. And I have a vivid memory of being on a ladder on the outside of the Dorchester Hotel in a bus lane. Uh, It was about 2 a.m. and trying to hang a garland. You know, it's freezing. It's Christmas. (laughs) Absolutely freezing. And just looking over my shoulder and seeing the snow drifting down and snow, Hyde Park, the Dorchester Hotel. And I was like, this is it. I've, I've made it. <laughs> well, I, it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. And that's what really got me hooked on events as well. Yes. I just loved it. And I worked for lots of different um, event places over there. I freelanced at, oh, probably not not a lot, but a few just to sort of understand how it all worked. And mm. Yeah. I do think the idea of Australians travelling overseas, I mean, that's a well worn path yes for New Zealanders traveling overseas Mm. but it does open your eyes and your mind to Mm. other ways of thinking and being 100% and it just it just literally mind blown Mm. apart and I think that is just such a helpful and and that's why people travel for inspiration but if you can go and work over there even better yeah I think Living in London changed me in ways that I can probably never quite put into words, but seeing poverty and seeing wealth and seeing we're so sheltered in Australia and New Zealand when it comes to that sort of thing. And it's it's definitely different now, 20 years later, of course. But I learned so much about people and just an incredible way to sort yeah to sort of see the world um from the depths of despair to these highs highs yeah. and um working with louise did she somehow mentor you or um give you free reign or she was incredibly busy she, i think she she was so young she was maybe 28 and I have another really great story about um because she now lives in Adelaide oh fantastic yeah and I called up and I might have even been trying to organize flowers for you or for for my mum I think for your mother yeah, yeah. and I just googled florist Adelaide you know and I was trying to find someone that was halfway decent and I saw Louise Woodhouse flowers and I thought there can't be that many Louise Woodhouses in the entire world. Like it seems, yeah, yeah, that are florists. And I called and she answered the phone. And I hadn't heard her voice for, you know, 20 years or whatever it was. And I'd thought about her for so many years. And she was just one of those people that, you know, when something just clicked, she was so busy. She, I was just like, freelancer or the junior that just came along and worked in the shop or did you know helped out I couldn't oh no I did drive um but 
I can't imagine that she would have remembered me. But when I started talking, she said, is this Mel? And it was just one of those, it was the way that she worked. It was so free. And not that, you know, working in a hotel is, there's some really, really strict rules, but she was pushing all those rules so hard. And it was just, I think it was so inspiring to see a really young woman just owning it in London, mm. which is a huge thing. Anyway, now she lives in Adelaide and Fantastic. she's a florist and she's still incredible. I love it. And um, she came to Australia and fell in love with the desert. Beautiful. So, what a yeah. great story. Good story, yeah. I love it. So after you came back from London, mm. what happened? Is that when you started Cecilia Fox? Uh, it's, it was just a little twinkle in my eye when I came back. I arrived in January in Melbourne and uh, I was trying to figure out who were the good florists and people had told me, Bazette, Art Stems, you know, a bunch of those uh, florists and everyone was closed because it was January. So, of course, I didn't know what to do. I really needed a job. And so I just went around and looked in everyone's windows and wondered sort of what sort of florists they would be. And, and I sent them all. This seems very old school now that I think about it. I sent everybody that I wanted to work for a postcard that had who I was what I was doing, maybe I hand printed it or something like that. A little bit of craft there. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a little bit of craft going on there. And so I knew that when they opened, you know, in February or, you know, mid-January that they would hopefully get this postcard. And the first person that rang me was uh, Vanessa at Bazette. The lovely Vanessa. Uh, the lovely Vanessa. And I remember uh, the woman that was I was working with, she said, please don't wear thongs to the interview. And I was like, I'm not going to wear thongs. Like, as if, I, you know, I'm, I'm better than that. I won't wear thongs to the interview. And I got there and Vanessa was wearing thongs. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, they gave me a job. Fantastic. So and I how started, long were you with Bazette for? Mm, maybe a year. Fantastic. And... Some of the women that I met at Barzette are well, still my friends today. It was so incredible as someone new to Melbourne. What a culture I met Cherie's created Incredible there. culture. I met so many amazing friends. And Cherie has supported me through every single step of Cecilia Fox, of everything that I've ever done. Like She's been such an incredible mentor as well as just a support person that even when maybe I was her competition, not, you know, there was never really competition because we were so different, but she never, she never pushed me away. She was always, she always had open arms. And, and that's a sign of someone who is very happy with themselves. Yeah. You know, that is confident enough to let everyone have their place. No one, she's yeah. very inclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, um, Bazette is where I met Katie Marks, oh, my long-term yeah, long flower course. friend and collaborator. And, yeah, it's still – I still ba look back on those days and think of the fun that we had and 
how hard we worked and all of those things. And I did the usual, you have to start out in the shop and then you might work your way back to the workroom and then eventually they might let you do events. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a really great first start into the Melbourne scene. Fantastic. And, yeah, and, and were there events at that time? Was that in the 2000s? Or? Uh, yeah, there was small events. Galen was doing the weddings and there were small events. It wasn't, well, obviously you were doing the races, yeah. but it wasn't, it hadn't peaked into that yes, fall. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just know. starting out. Yeah. It was just starting out. Amazing. Yeah. So I started thinking about, I thought that what I would do is freelance and at a few different florists, but that was quite a terrifying idea for most florists at that time. The idea of taking someone on who also worked at other florists, they might give away your ideas. Or um, So it took a while to kind of get that going. And I feel like I did. I worked at a bunch of different florists. I worked at the Big Bunch. I worked at Art Stems. I worked at Buzzette uh, and, and lots of other smaller florists as well. And, you know, the thing about freelance that we love is, and even, you know, when you work with different clients, you learn stuff from them, mm. but then you also, you give them ideas. Yes. And then you learn things which mm. you share with others. And it's never, I find it's never, a, oh, no one's taking anyone's ideas. It's just, it makes the entire community better. Yeah, Because absolutely. everyone's talking about ideas, trying new things. Yeah. Um, and it's this lovely blending mm. of ideas um, that yeah. we love as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's such a power in working together like that. I love I love freelancing and I love employing freelancers as well. You always learn so much from each other and it's oh, really, really. Do. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we always squeal when Isadora was on a job. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't see her all the time, but, you know, when you'd yeah. arrive and Isadora would jump out of the car, it's like, yay, yes. Isadora's <laughs> here and you know that she'd bring her vibe to yeah. the job absolutely and yeah you know obviously chloe well that's, yes that's a whole nother <laughs> chapter isn't whole it chapter. Um, you know yeah. and so superb to see what she's doing oh, in the uae just yeah. like mind blown again i know Incredi- absolutely incredible yeah and you know the jobs that we did together with you and mm. chloe and jahan and steph and loose yeah it was it's always so much fun. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Uh, which is incredible. Yeah. I, I think I remember early on when I first started working with you, um, we noticed how incredibly positive you were. We had got into a habit of being really cruel to each other. We'd got into a habit of putting each other down when we were on site or when we were working, we'd say, oh, you look terrible in that outfit as a joke. And maybe it's a New Zealand thing or I, or maybe it was just my, my upbringing of always just sort of like kind of putting yourself down. And I remember getting on site and Steph was there and she was like, Amanda, you are amazing. And it was, and it changed the energy so much. And we, we changed the way that we worked immediately. We stopped being negative. 
we stopped and it was hard because I have quite a negative personality. <laughs> I have I beg to differ, but I'm incredibly hard on myself. Thing. So uh I we really worked hard to change the way that we worked within our team, that we were always positive, that we were always looking forward and we took so much inspiration from the way that you uh guided your team oh that's lovely thank you it's it's really interesting a lot of people I sort of sometimes even today wrestle with the positive and negative thing because Mm. there has been a lot of talk about toxic positivity yeah and it's not to say that you know I'm an adult in an adult world I do adult things Mm. but I've always through my life somehow managed to view things in a positive Mm. light and it is, look, it is a bit Pollyanna. I won't lie. I'm always (laughs) glad about something. Yeah. And so that notion of positivity has really been challenged for me over Mm. COVID and everything like that as well. Yeah. And it's only now coming out of this that Mm. I'm actually feeling like I can regain the Pollyanna, you know, and just go back full bore into positivity because there is no room for the negative like what does it do for you it does nothing nothing it does absolutely nothing at all and it doesn't mean that you don't question the things that are wrong in your life or the things that aren't going well at the moment but look we're in events we're not saving lives there's ways forward you can fix things you can can change things. things we're all good at that but also having that can-do attitude or just being able to look on the bright I mean sometimes in events it's really really hard so if you're constantly being like this is so hard this is so difficult then you're never going to get anywhere yeah Yeah, no it's (laughs) true it has to be that yeah "Yeah, okay well that's happened and let's let's move forward let's make it work definitely and yeah I think that when you've got a team of people who can all work like that Mm-hmm. When the chips are down, yes. everyone, you know, might feel it, but they find their ways forward. Everyone takes steps in mm. the right direction. No one, like, throws the, you know, yeah. the baby out with the bathwater. Everyone Absolutely. just holds the line <laughs> till we can get back to a place of, phew, yeah. got over phew, that. We did it. You know, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So when did Cecilia Fox start? I started. Or was to, that kind of the beginning? Well, really? it was really yeah. the beginning. I started freelancing and I started doing a little bit of work for myself and I initially called myself Melanie Cecilia. So so the Cecilia, where is this all from? So Cecilia is my middle name and it's I was named after my grandmother, my father's mother. Um, Cecilia was her middle name. Fox is my mother's maiden name. So it's my grandmother's name and I started it, it very So I started calling myself Cecilia Fox. I mean, I started calling myself Melanie Cecilia and it felt awkward. I felt strange about it. But during that time, I started writing a blog that I called Cecilia Fox. And it was really just a blog about doing flowers. It was about things that went wrong. It was about just like the market, sort of just like, very I mundane. Remember it. it was riveting. <laughs> uh, it was so new. It it was new because people didn't really tell you what? when things went wrong. Nobody, 
everyone just assumed, I mean, it's a little bit like Instagram now. No one really tells you when the picture wasn't that perfect behind the scenes. And so when I started sort of telling these stories about it, um, things that I'd gone through, which, you know, was not particularly riveting. It was like, my gardenias died. And so what did I do? Um, but people really loved it. And I started to get this strange following. And then I realized that Cecilia Fox was just one of those names. Mm. It was. It's so charming. I have a vision of who she is. Yeah. I mean, I know it's you, obviously, but. Yes, I but... do have a vibe and she's probably, you know, someone from the 40s in my head. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I actually, like... I have, when I think about um, Cecilia Fox, I do think about Cecilia Fox as a separate person yeah. from myself because it is all of the people that have contributed amazing things to Cecilia Fox. It's the Chloe's, the Isadora's, the Jean, you know, like everybody and all of the people that have been involved. So I don't sort of feel like it is just me anymore. And I just, it Cecilia has, Fox is a mood. It has such a mystery to it. It does. In a way, I, I just, when I found it, I just knew that it was the name for me. And I started, I started very slowly. I started doing uh, weekly flowers at Husk. Oh, Husk um, was beautiful. In the day, you know. Yeah, Husk was And beautiful. it was so wonderful and Justin was incredible to me and, and that's kind of where it started. I, I did flowers at my yoga studio, you know, I did those kind of things and very slowly I started building up and Five getting bit. work and it was, it was a slow and steady, yeah. Obviously, Cecilia Fox means a lot to me, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. In the first instance, can you talk to me about what you think your style is? How would you describe your actual floral style or styling? Mm, I think that I can be a bit of a chameleon, which has definitely worked in my favour. But the way that I really like to think about it is that it's a nature dreamscape. So it's not perfect nature. It's not contemporary. It's this this space that is sort of how you fantasize that nature could be and I love I love things that are out of the box I love unusual I love weird color combinations we have that in common mm. <laughs> and I I think that it's more yeah it's more a feeling of what it should be it has to be a feeling it's not a product and it's not something I mean obviously people buy flowers but the feeling of Cecilia Fox is not something that you can purchase it's true it's yeah I feel I feel the same way and I often look at flowers and you know especially when obviously we used to have a little bit of a sort of a thing in gloss about how come florists get so many followers and we're like they're just, you know, putting <laughs> flowers. They didn't make the flowers. You know, we spend six months doing, building these walls and colour palettes and materials and everyone goes, yeah, okay, next, mm. give me a flower. <laughs> yeah. Know, flowers for likes kind of thing. But I've come to understand, you know, over time that it's creativity expressed and that florist, like an artist, 
brings the different flowers together in a different way. So it's actually the way you put things together, mm. the structure, the colour, the palettes and all of mm. that. And one of the things, obviously, we've sat, you know, over mood boards for hours talking mm -hmm. about the right colour, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing, which we've adored. But also I always have felt that you've given flowers a context mm. within nature. Yeah. And I think early on that was certainly your definable sort of difference, you know, in events that yeah. your flowers didn't feel arranged. Mm. They literally looked like they were growing out of some beautiful right old, that's what we were going you for. know what I mean well, yeah. did well. <laughs> so how how does your process go when you're thinking all of that up is it a you know we often talk about seeing the vision at the end mm -hmm. or are you more like creating by doing or I both? think it's a little bit of both for um flowers it comes down to the materials so the materials that we're able to get from growers or gardens or foraging or whatever it is but for me it really starts there so when Amanda comes to me and I know that it's spring racing and I know that nothing's going to last mm. it's spring the flowers are all really soft they're really small um it's actually a really hard time of the it's year really really yeah <laughs> it's a beautiful time of the year but it's also like just kind of in this weird time in between spring peak and spring summer. and summer. Yeah. Um, but so with the knowledge of what I know is going to be uh, in season, what I know that particular grower might be growing, what I've seen on the side of the road or on the side of the freeway somewhere, it sort of starts to compile in my head. So I'm looking at colour palettes and I start to – I think I get a bit OCD when I'm driving that I can't stop looking at things that are growing, things that are popping into my head. Or if I'm at the flower market, I could walk around and around and around in circles. And I think I've been here for two hours. Like, sure, what, mm, what, feeling. but then I just see something and I'm like, that's it. Okay. We're good now. We can go yeah. home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so, so there's so many layers to it. There's that sort of gathering all of the materials. And then, I mean, a lot of the work that we love to do is on site. We're not really studio florists. I love making a table arrangement. But what I think where we really excel is making installation work on site. And even if it is a table arrangement, I'd rather make it there mm -hmm. because for me, taking in everything that's around the architecture, the styling, the colours, the the people, the everything is going to inform how it uh, it is arranged or it is made. So I love I love being there. And then it's quite a long process between getting the flowers, I mean long, a few days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting the flowers, <laughs> nurturing them to how you want them to look making them and then the incredible thing about flowers is that then a day later you are taking it apart and composting that stuff mm. so it's having this cyclical thought process as well it's really so see it always begins with seasons for me 
and seasons are not just spring, summer, autumn, winter. But it's true. There's like micro There's moments. There's so many micro moments that come into um, flower availability. And isn't it funny with the, you know, like you're saying, the in-between seasons, mm. there's always that moment or that week that there's a flower that's available that you forget about every year and you go and all of a sudden you see it again, you go, oh, my God, yes, I must write that down. This is the yes. moment. Like, Yeah, um, and you think, oh, I'll write in that January. down so I know that for next year. Yeah, and you yeah, don't. <laughs> and you don't. Of course you don't. And you get surprised every year. I love it. I love yeah. the surprise. Yeah. It's when pretty beautiful, or isn't it? often I'm like, oh, I've seen the first blossom. I'm not going to buy that blossom because I know that if I wait for a week, that the blossom's going to be amazing. Yes. But I'm not, I, I want to get the things that are at the absolute peak. And, you know, with events, you know, you have to be pretty flexible with that kind of yeah. stuff. But if I'm buying flowers, buying seasonally and locally as possible is for me just such a joy. And how did you, how do you learn to nurture the flowers? Like I've seen that, you know, when, you know, I'll say, okay, so I want some closed and some open this Saturday. Thanks. Yeah. How do you work out? Like, you know, all of a sudden you open the mm. the truck and they're there, some open, some closed. So how do you know how to treat the flowers to make them right on the day? Mm. Well, it is a long learning curve. It's, you know, decades of watching and learning. And yeah, I love, I love that part of it as well, knowing that how quickly a rose will open or how quickly that grower's rose might open mm. or that grower's rose might open. So it's this hugely slow process, but there's so much embedded knowledge in in learning all of that stuff. And that is, I guess, when people come to florists, I'm actually thinking of the time Mm-hmm. when Jahan and Luce and I came out to the Rose Farm with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was like maybe six weeks out or four yes. weeks out or something and we had to pick roses now yeah. for four weeks' time and I was freaking out yeah. because I'm like, they look so small, there's no flowers. <laughs> like, and you're like, okay, chill out, yeah. it'll grow in, in time. In a couple weeks, they're going to grow. Gonna, you know, I'm yeah. like, man, this is frightening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you're like, no, no, and you knew exactly. You stood there and you looked into the distance and, you know, with your boots you tromped over everything <laughs> went, I'll take, get that one and I'll get that one. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible. And obviously those roses were picture perfect, were perfect on, on the, the day. first second Tuesday, first Tuesday of November, <laughs> of course, at the time yeah. we're all standing around going, wow, wow, that worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, but getting that knowledge. Yeah, you know, it's, was just, amazing. it's just but through doing um, yeah. as with so much stuff with design or with flowers or mm. doing things. So while we're on, just while we're on this topic of mm. growers, You've mm. always had amazing relationships with your growers. Mm. You've always talked about the growers. You've, you know, you've taken us to um, growers. I think with Cecilia Fox sort of has almost always shown mm. the growers as part of who you are. Yeah. Talk to me about your relationship with growers. Mm. I think that knowing your growers and your suppliers really well is integral. Uh, 
I have so many uh, amazing friends now that are growers and it's having those relationships that make the end product or they make everything possible. So unless they put that seed in the ground or that bush, they plant that bush, you know, 10 years ago, then we don't have anything. Mm. So nurturing those relationships has just been pivotal in everything that we do. And we've gone through periods where Lindsay was going to um, have a little micro farm and just plant just stuff that we loved and that was going to be amazing. And Barzette do that really, really well as well. But I love talking to growers. They're just salt of the earth. They're out there every day and they're the next line in that knowing if I don't know when a rose is going to bloom in time or I could call and say, is stock going to start this week or will it start next week? So having building those relationships is so important in for every florist, I think. But I love going to the flower market. It's one of my favorite times. Uh, yeah, it, it seems mm. it. And I'm interested in your opinion on how are the growers doing? You know, obviously through COVID there were some pretty mm. disturbing, sad scenes of, yeah. you know, flowers being thrown out, yeah. because, you know, or reused or whatever. So hard. Do you think the long-term viability of the growers is under threat in a way? I think for some smaller growers it is, but for a lot of growers this period, the initial the first big lockdowns that we had were, was really, really hard. But after that, I think that a lot of people have been incredibly busy because the retail floral side of things really picked up. I think that what we're looking at now is the diversity is down. So the different types of flowers that we're able to get is down, um, which is really sad mm -hmm. to see that some of those smaller growers or people that are growing something that look, might not be their their mainstay, but they kind of just had to be like, we've just got to focus on what makes us the money now. Yeah, yeah, so, to survive. So having, yeah, having growers that are able to grow lots of different things is really amazing, but, you know, that's not always the case if you're focusing on growing something that's going to get you through kind of thing. And interestingly, obviously, the overseas thing stopped. Mm. Do you think that might have a in a long term, a good I really, impact. really hope so. Because people yeah. will buy local, like you can walk into Vazet now and buy local roses. Yeah. That smell beautiful. Yeah. Right. To me, it's really, really important that we we put everything that we can into our local growers. And, you know, there are times then we that we need to use imported um product, but it's so important to support uh, environmentally, it's obviously key. Buying locally and seasonally is is the best way that you can reduce everything, all of your footprint. And that, um, isn't it interesting that food is the same? Yeah. And you see all the, you know, a lot of Melbourne chefs, you know, mm. with the same philosophy. Exactly. And I hope that flowers or that mm. clients see the value in that and they see the value in whatever it is not using foam or yeah sustainability has to become part of an integral part of all of our lives 
And I think I always felt like it looked really uncool or that it was had this vibe to it that I was not into. (laughs) But yeah, we really need to get this right for our planet. And if we can be as sustainable as we can, then yeah, we're on the right track. And I do think you have represented that in your business early on. I remember one of the early events we did, Isadora and yourself bought these massive tarps to the event with the product on it. Mm. It was huge rows and, you know, bowels of foliage and everything, which you, you know, set up the event. And after the event, you took all of that back Mm. in the big tarp put it in the truck, all your rubbish with you, and went back and put it into compost. And Mm. that was the first time you were one of the early, early adopters Mm. to see things in a different way. Yeah. So I do think you have claimed quite rightfully and should claim that you are a sustainable florist. And I know (laughs) that, you know, I've learned from what you do and everyone has. Mm. Talk to me about you know, you were one of the first people to get rid of foam. Talk to me about all of that. How have you integrated that into your business? And I know mm. a lot of it you've just integrated because it's the thought you've had. You haven't sort of set out to be sustainable, although now it's very important. Yeah, I think you just did these things because you knew about what was good. Yeah, I think there's something pretty icky about foam when you're using it, especially when you're using a natural product I love the idea that well I'm torn with this idea that once I produce something once I make something that after it's gone there's nothing there's a photo and there's a memory Mm -hmm. and and that's incredible but what I want is to for nothing to be there at all for there to be soil that compost that goes back into the soil So if in my business I can have that whole circular economy where I'm not, I'm not hiding this icky part that's like a bag full of microplastics, that, that just seems so counterintuitive to flowers. I want, for me, it feels really, really good to know that a bucket of water, water, (laughs) is the thing that sustains our flowers and that if we don't need to use foam. Obviously, there are times then when we definitely have, it wasn't possible, but I think we've really changed. I've changed the way that I think about designing as well. Mm. And I think we all need to, especially in events. And, you know, it's such a wasteful industry. Mm. And if we can, when we're designing, realize that and change the way that we're just thinking about the designs from the very beginning, then, yeah, it's so important. Interestingly, one of the things that I just adore of the last five years is the rise of the vase. Yeah. Um, I think when uh, Cindy from Lightly created the Mm. first metal-footed vase, that really changed the game. And obviously there's been a lot of copies of that on the market. Mm. And... What that vase did, it was the first indication that you could use a vase as part of the design of the whole floral thing. And I think 
that changed things, you know, that things could be on a table in a vase that you could reuse. Mm. And even now, you know, we're sitting here today with one of Hattie's gorgeous yes. galvanised iron, the Ixus vase, which is very, very cute, mm. that has like a grid top to it Yeah, that I guess is kind of makes, gives things a bit of structure. You don't mm-hmm. need as many flowers and you just need yep. water. And it magically, you know, if you do it, you turn into a florist. It's amazing. Yeah. So really interested in your thoughts about the rise of the vase. Mm. Yeah, the vase is just such a timeless and, yeah, perfect. It was the perfect thing to put flowers into, isn't it? And um, early on I remember you and Isadora making mm, amazing yeah. um, vases for us um, down at the George Ball. Yes, yeah. I remember that one. I Yeah, I feel incredibly lucky to have had Isadora and all of her art friends, and, you know, our studio, um, as you know, had an artist studio in the back. So we had, you know, eight or more sometimes artists that worked for us, had their studios at the back of our studio. And so I had this sort of insight into making that I don't think a lot of florists had. Mm. And when I would say to Isadora, oh, Amanda's giving me this colour palette and I can't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to get. She's like, well, just make them. Great. And, I mean, that is the absolute beauty of Isadora is that she's a can-do woman. I mean, I I couldn't believe it because I was, I remember the colour. It was when, you know, when we wanted that sort of clay sort of pinky sort of thing. You know, that was before anybody else had done that colour palette. I'm like, I want, you know, I want that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so we made it and they were amazing. That And they were just um, plaster and pigment. Um, but I don't know anything about plaster or pigment. And luckily these amazing artists that were at VCA and learning how to make sculpture. Yeah. Just came in and just they really, all of them changed the way that we worked, even, well, especially with our installation work as well. But the vases, we, yeah, we've made so many different vases and we've worked with more recently amazing ceramicists mm. that I think investing in vases like that is so great to have in your toolbox. Mm, and definitely. not only is it sort of, I love the idea that someone else's hands have had a part in it I've got this sort of this fantasy that when I make flowers for a wedding or for an event and I use a vase or I use the flowers that I'm using that someone I have in, always have it in my head that it's a 60 year old man because I always think they're the most disconnected people from nature and maybe I'm wrong <laughs> but I don't know um a guy sits down to have his chicken or whatever it is and he sees something on the table that is magic and it connects him to nature. And even if it was a second, uh, a millisecond where it's like, oh, I've got that growing out the front of my house or, oh, my mother had that leaf, what, whatever it is. Oh, the smell of that takes me back or the texture of that reminds me of something. I'm like, those are the moments. That we're, I mean, obviously we're all searching for those tiny little moments, but if I could connect 
that one person in the room of 300 people for a wedding, then that's it for me. That's a good thing. Yeah. 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 I was just sitting here thinking about the time when we did the Victor and Rolf dinner and we came to you and we went, Okay, so we need a table of dark black. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you came back with the most incredible tablescape, literally filled with dark black roses. Yeah. And just touches of very yeah. pale pink. That, that got... was such a time, the yeah. black rose time. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like very soon after that was replicated <laughs> across everywhere yeah. and then it sort of became a zeitgeist, if you like, yeah. which is really good. How do you feel about people um, replicating what you do? Does it worry you or not? No, it doesn't worry me. Uh, yeah, I I think earlier on in my career it used to upset, I used to get annoyed by it, but now I just think, you know. It's a zeitgeist. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, I I don't have any problems. And I think in design and in art like we should be copying each other. Like we yes. you know, change it a little bit, but like that's how things start and how things yeah, change how things grow. and grow. And yeah, the black rose time was really the all fun. the black table arrangements was a real I don't time. Think that time will actually <laughs> ever stop. I'm always up for anything dark. Yeah. And you know, once again thinking about I remember for I think it was a Mimco dinner we did at NGV. I'm like, can you just give me some dark barbed wire, thanks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you came back with this wild, wild uh, hooped thing with black so roses. Good. It's still one of my favourite yeah, photos. It's, I had always sort of had in the back of my mind this, uh, this work that I wanted to make that was with blackberries, blackberry branches. Literally. And... I remember quite often when I'd have a meeting with you, Amanda, I'd come out and be like, how am I going to do this? Um, but that meeting I came out and I was like, finally, I get to do that thing that I've been wanting to do for so long. And I, you know, people ask me all the time, what's, you know, what would be the thing that you would, you know, the work that you would most like to make? And I can never think of anything, but then I realized it was this barbed wire yeah. thing. And so... Of course, we went out. We went out to one of our farmers because I was like, I, I just don't know where. I mean, it feels like it's everywhere on the side of the road, but I just needed somewhere easy. So we went yeah. out to one of our growers that had, you know, like a one of their paddocks was full of blackberries, and we just picked, cut ourselves. Right, you know. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just yeah, I was even looking. I think Chloe took a photo of me when I was in you know, the blackberry bush with my jeans on because apparently blackberries don't hook onto denim. Oh, yeah, I learned that from my friend Amy who I worked with at Fuzz Amazing. Air. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I love, I just loved that job and, yeah, just the wildness of it. And then yeah. in it was put in with the Architectural Commission that, and at that time they had like missed smoking yes. and it rained on that oh, day so I've just got on my so iPhone good. it was like it was a surprise mm. we didn't really expect for that to happen to be that in that mm. I mean we knew but you know sometimes when events happen like that it is surprising and it is very mm. very joyful yeah yeah so one of the things I noticed um that you 
have done, which I think has been incredibly significant. So you'd been doing all of these events and everything like Mm. that. And then you started this amazing thing called Flowering Mm. Now um, with Katie Marks. Yes. And I remember the first one that you created was um, around in Collingwood Mm -hmm. in the old school. I think it's Collingwood Yards now. Yeah. Tell me how that came to be because I do feel that was like a watershed and a significant moment Mm. where you stepped from being a florist to a creative director and mentor. Mm. Tell me about that. Yeah, that was, it was such a great time. Actually, Katie Katie and I, we were at the flower market together and we were just sort of chatting as we were walking around trying to, you know, do your work, thing. do our things. <laughs> and we sort of, we were feeling like maybe we were the has-beens. We were sort of Eight. feeling, you know, Katie was like, there are so many cool f- new florists, you know, like there was Hattie and there was Wona and there was just all of these people doing amazing things. And we are like... Are we just really old and like over the hill? And Never. we talked we talked about it a lot and we were like, oh, let's do something together. Let's like make a big installation together. And the more that we talked about it and the more that we kind of went around in circles with it, we sort of got to the point where we realized that we weren't the has-beens, but we were the people that needed to make things happen in the industry. We didn't need to be in competition with any of these young, cool florists that were coming up, we needed to be there supporting them. We needed to be growing. We needed to show the public what they had, what they were doing, what was so amazing about the floral industry. And so we did it and we, uh, yeah, we worked with the Collingwood Yards. I can't remember what it was called then. And so we invited, I think, 13 florists that first time to make a work, make a work of significance, we said. And uh, we gave them no rules, no briefs, make what you want. Uh, There was, and it was, gosh. It was breathtaking. It was incredible what people made, just given with no pressure at all. We, We are so tightly bound by briefs in the in our world, which is amazing. I work really, really well with a brief. I love it. But to step outside of that and to just be like, you can make whatever you want, it was incredible. So we made it. We thought it would be amazing. Everyone was making their stuff. We were really excited. We had the opening night of which like to be perfectly honest, we thought that maybe our mum, you know, our best friends and our mums might turn up and we'd invited you and Christian Wagstaff and all of the people that we'd worked with over the years. And then people started arriving. And I think we had over 800 people at the opening night and we could not, we were just so overwhelmed by the way that the public received it and the way that our peers in these sort of surrounding industries perceived it. And it was just, uh, it was the best feeling. Yeah. It was so lovely to see everyone's unique style. Mm. And, and I think in Melbourne, in the indus in our industry, that's what we always wanted to, with Katie and I, 
we have re- a really different style and we have really different clients and we both always supported each other and we all were always like you've got this style I've got this style and let's embrace that and we wanted to sort of show people that not all florists want to do the same thing so if you really love Hattie's work then please ask Hattie to do Hattie's work Mm. don't ask me or whoever Mm. and that I think people kind of got it they saw all these amazing different styles and looks and they they got that we were all individuals. It wasn't just flowers of flowers, yes. uh, flowers. And when you think of like Wona and Charlie, mm. you know, from Loose Leaf, what they've created, yeah. they're, almost, they're almost exclusively doing art. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they're which incredible. Is, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Really incredible. So good. Yeah. What, yeah. what a time. After flowering now. Mm. As I mentioned, I feel like that set you up as not just a florist Mm. but, you know, as a mentor, as a collaborator and as a creative director. Mm. Then as if that wasn't enough, all of a sudden I wake up before Valentine's one year and there's this amazing film you've made (laughs) called Fools Rush In. Yeah. Uh, Tell us everything about that. When you're in the um, weddings industry, quite often stylists and that sort of thing always want to do these um, styled shoots and I had just always found that I hated doing them because it was never quite me it was always I I didn't get Someone the final say view. it was yeah. sort of some, oh, there was too many people in the pie for me and um, so I never did them but I always wanted to sort of do this a wedding photo shoot and it did start out just as a photo shoot until we got Freya Esther's on board and so I wanted to make a film that was, well, I wanted to do a photo shoot that was less gendered and I wanted it to, like, I'm not married and I don't plan on ever getting married, but I love love. I love the romance of it. I love, I love fashion. I, like, I, I understand weddings but I wanted it to be more me and to be more contemporary and the gender thing was really important to me. So I asked Sunny Hart, who had an agency at that time, a modelling agency, and she uh, she got together all of the, the um, incredible talent and amazingly that that shoot is shot, <laughs> that film is shot in our warehouse. So, look, when they said how much it was going to cost, I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money for me to outlay. But what I didn't realise is the level that it was going to be at. I was, Yeah, I just, I didn't understand. So when people started pulling up in vans with lighting rigs, I was like, whoa, okay. So Isadora and I. Film director. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh. What had happened is that we'd had a really, really big week and weekend of work and I was a bit nervous to ask any of my staff to help me do this shoot that I'd organised. And so, of course, Isadora (laughs) came and helped me and a couple of others and we made this backdrop for film set in which all of these um, models and amazing talent were going to frolic around in and... Oh, it was, we transformed 
our warehouse into this. It was incredible. Even now, I'm like, that was that was that amazing. Was yeah. It was really really good. It was so incredible. And so then, yeah, when these like lighting rigs started turning up and people turn up with their like enormous cameras and it was uh, it was so amazing and from that point in a way it was almost out of my hands it was obviously we'd talked a lot about what I'd wanted and it was sort of like they sort of said oh so you sort of want like a really nice ad for Cecilia Fox I'm like well kind of mm-hmm. but um explaining to them about this sort of dream quality or it's what we were talking about before this dreamscape Mm. of nature so it's like the best and the most amazing parts of nature so we just made this scene and yeah spent the day filming in there and there were moments where I remember Esther saying this is like a long commercial this is this is next level and I just I couldn't I guess I just didn't, I don't know anything about film. So when it kind of was all edited and made, I was just, yeah, as blown away as what everyone else was. And once again, for me, the word Cecilia Fox Mm. to be associated with that film, Mm. to me, said everything about your ability to be cognizant of what's happening now. Mm. You know, it was an early, you know, this was like four or five years ago. You were already doing film. Mm. You know, I, I I feel like you somehow have this sort of early warning system <laughs> creatively of what is important to yeah. you and you just express it and it happens to be, you know, you're a leader yeah. sort of thing <laughs> as well. So um, and then after that more recently, you know, all of a sudden you open up your feed and um, there's these flowers being exploded yeah. in midair against incredible backdrops. Yeah. Um, tell us about that film. Yeah, that was another really amazing thing. A, a very dear friend of mine, Alex Badham, who's an amazing producer, helped me make that. In fact, he filmed all of the decaying flower parts. And my other dear friend made – so we knew that we would – we wanted to have these exploding things and we wanted to have three different colour palettes or times of year or whatever it was, three different parts to it. And, yeah, <laughs> my my dear friend, so we knew that we were going to be in public exploding things and so we just went through the process of like, well, you can't actually like use explosives in public without... <laughs> getting permission or whatever it was. So my friend Gray made this air cannon. So what you can't see in those shots is this enormous air cannon sitting underneath it, like exploding the flowers out. So it was so fun and Chloe and I did that together. And I think Isadora was there for the – so we we shot in the studio where we did the making of them, the hands – and then we went out into different parts of nature. We went to the beach and to the forest. They were so cool. And when I posted that, I I was so proud of it and I was so impressed with what Alex had managed to do. Because so he had the ball things that we'd made, the flower 
explosions that we'd made. We'd made a couple. So he had those and he filmed them slowly dying as well, mm-hmm. which was, you know, that's something that, again, I feel like is a really Cecilia Fox thing is that I love the death and the dying as much as I love the growth and the the perfectness of flowers um I think can sometimes be really contrived so mm. and you get lots of that in events that everything has to be perfect, perfect. for the moment <laughs> yes and I love this idea it was just coming back to that life cycle of the cyclical everything where I just loved that there was this really sort of ugly dirty dying part of it and that was really special but the best bit was is when I posted it Jeff Latham in LA reposted it that's a big moment and that was just like oh yeah all of a sudden all of these people from LA following because they should and it was just yeah he was like this is so inspirational and I was like yeah made it great made you it. you so, totally yeah. have and he's such a great guy oh uh, yeah amazing. Was, he was just really I just couldn't pull it I feel like he doesn't really repost you know other people's work no. that much and I was like he must have adored it yeah so I felt really that felt really great so while we're on the topic mm. talk to me about how, how social media has helped or hindered um, your business? What do you think about it? Where are you at with it now? Mm. I definitely have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. Instagram is my only social media that I am interested in. (laughs) Although Lucy from the Design Files always tells me that Pinterest is really the thing that we should be focused on. But I... Yeah, I love Instagram. I love the community that I've found there. I love the sharing. I love the positivity. But, yeah, there's something about it that I also really hate. I hate that I'm addicted to it. (laughs) (laughs) We all are. And, yeah, although I don't mind people copying what I do, I hate the homogenous nature that it brings I hate it that everyone kind of or you're going to get more hits if your thing looks Mm. kind of the same as all the other things Mm. and so yeah there's definitely a love-hate there Mm. I think I think most I think everyone feels like that (laughs) and it'll be great to see how new platforms come up and change Mm. and we jump onto those I think it's have you it's got really TikTok, Amanda? Just started. Really? Haven't got any followers yet, but we've <laughs> actually started to put things up yeah. there. So, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Just work out what it means to us. Mm. And I'm sure I can't wait to see the Cecilia Fox version of that <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> so you've, like me, ridden the wave of the growth of the events industry, mm. um, you know, across the last 20 years. And... Like me, at the end of, you know, 2019, I, you know, decided I'd take a year off. Mm. You know, after 20 years of building my business, I thought for my 20th birthday, it'd be great to have a year sabbatical. So I obviously started that, then COVID happened. (laughs) And then the next thing I hear, you made the very smart move of taking Jamie and the kids and you got in the car and you went driving Mm. out of Melbourne Mm. and you've ended up in New Zealand. 
Yeah. So tell me about towards the end of how you felt about Melbourne and your place in the events industry and how you've now moved to something new again mm. and you're sort of recreating yeah. who Cecilia Fox is yeah. again. It, so just before COVID hit, I was starting to, what happened is that uh, Chloe got a job in Dubai and when she told me, I thought, this is the best thing for Chloe. And I was so proud of her and I was so excited. And Isadora's artwork was just going crazy and she was so busy she couldn't work very much. So sort of my, a few of my main people and a couple of freelancers that I used a lot as well that I loved were going to do different things. And so over that sort of January, February, I was like, something's not something's up here and I don't know what it is yet I'm just going to kind of buckle down for a year and try and do as much as I can myself and kind of just get back to my roots a bit that's going to be my year go to the core <laughs> yeah, back March to the core. hits and it's over you know and we I just thought I actually don't have it in me to pivot I'm not a pivoter I don't want to rush to do something different, I felt really lucky that we, we had some money in the bank to pay the rent and we had some tragedies in our family and it took us to Queensland and we had, Jamie had driven up there with the van and the kids and I followed, we flew and we got up there and we're like, let's have a week in Noosa, two weeks in Noosa and just chill out. It's been a rough time. COVID, deaths in our family, you know, like it was a really, really big, significant time for us as a family. And we got up there and we were like, well, just sort of don't really want to come back. Noose is really nice. And then it was like, they closed the borders for New South Wales. And we we're like, do we, do we leave now? And do we run? Do we make to make it mm. to Victoria? And we, Jamie said, you know, got in our tent and I was like I'm not I'm not camping <laughs> like I was like I'm exhausted I've been through this I wanted to just I I wanted to have like a really nice holiday and so we started to drive north and we did start to camp and it was warm and it was beautiful and we just didn't stop. We we just kept driving and we thought, well, everyone in Melbourne's in lockdown anyway. You know, there's part of you that sort of feels like maybe you should be back there going through the Suffering hell with, with every, yeah, why? And part of us was like, why thank would you? goodness that we're here. So we drove, we, we had the tr absolute trip of a lifetime. It was the most connecting thing for our family, for to nature, to everything. And we met amazing people. And I didn't meet anyone in events or in the wedding industry or I, I didn't answer my phone. I turned my computer off and we just drove. We drove right up to Cooktown, wow. which is about as far as you can drive without a four-wheel drive. And it was, yeah, the absolute trip of a lifetime. And while we were there, 
we were I knew that Cecilia Fox was in a moment of flux. I had I mean, obviously none of us had any idea that it would be mm. two years of what it's been, but I knew that I needed to make some really big changes in my life. I was really tired. I never saw my kids and I knew that I had so much, but I didn't, I felt like I'd kind of backed myself into a corner with Cecilia Fox into a place that I kind of didn't want to be anymore. So we'd talked about moving to the beach, like moving to Dramana or all of these, we'd, we'd sort of looked at all these ideas and we're like, well, we could move to rural Victoria, but we'd just be starting again. And or we could move to New Zealand where all of my family are and whom I've never lived with as an adult or near. I've always lived overseas. And we just very quickly made the decision. Jamie said, if Jacinda gets in mm-hmm. again, <laughs> you're going. we'll move. Beautiful. And so Jacinda got in and we booked flights. And I called my sisters and said, we're moving to New Zealand. And... We did. And we packed up our studio, our house of 10, 12 years, you know, just our entire lives and moved countries. And so it was a huge, huge time and still is of change and of flux and of growth. And it's terrifying, but it's also the best thing I've ever done. I'm so inspired coming back to Melbourne has been so inspiring and mm. I don't think I want to live here anymore but, but you can I be inspired the, by it. yeah I'm so inspired by Melbourne just by everything in it I love also feeling that the comfort of knowing people and knowing places and it's just yeah it's been this trip has just given me that next little kick along little the way. kick that I needed. I love it. So I love it. Um we live by the beach. I'm working on my business and things are slow. I mean I think COVID has done that for me a lot. Right. Just I'm all about the turtle. <laughs> yeah. Slow, steady and really, really figuring out what it is that I want to do. And it's so important for me to inspire the industry. Uh, I don't want to just uh, make flowers anymore. I've done, I've made a lot of really beautiful flowers. So I don't really need that, but I'm excited to, yeah, be, hopefully, <laughs> be really inspirational. Oh, well, that, that's, a, that's a given. To drive, yeah, just to drive the industry to places that it needs to go. You know, so yeah, amazing. <laughs> That's I love New Zealand. It. I love it. And New Zealand is so exquisitely beautiful. It is kind of yeah. nature central, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. Like, and you describing your view from your kitchen window yeah. is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, I've got some more uh, questions for you. Mm-hmm. What keeps you grounded and what gives you joy? Mm. Well, at the very beginning of COVID, I started running. Wow. I am not a runner. I've always been like, my knees hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and because Isadora was always a runner and I was always just like, oh, so annoying. <laughs> but at the beginning of COVID, we were trapped in our houses and I did the couch to, f- what is it called? Couch to 5Ks. 
Great. And I did that and I've continued running and I, look, I don't run far or a lot, but when I step outside my front door with my running shorts on, because I've got running shorts, Amazing. Um, it's, it's just something that just hones it all in for me. I just love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's my new thing. Your new thing. Nature always and running in nature. Double, double. Double, double. Great. And, yeah. I, I love those. it. So one of the things that I'm really interested in mm. is, I guess, people who break rules. Mm. Clearly you've <laughs> broken every rule. Yeah. Is that your magic? I do love breaking rules. My magic, yeah, I, there's, I mean, rules are made to be broken. We all know that. That's, that's just part and parcel of, of it. But I, even when I very, very first started working on Cecilia Fox or making work that I felt was Cecilia Fox work, it was always trying to push those boundaries of what was okay. So if, you know, that was more gardeny or more eccentric or whatever it was than what had ever happened before. Mm. Um, so, yeah. It's interesting, you know, when we say, you know, rule breakers, mm. it sounds like people are going out to, I've got to break some rules. Yeah. But my observation with people who want to create things from their core mm. often create things that haven't been done before. Mm. So it's expressed as you've broken rules. Yes. When honestly, what you've done is create something new, mm. is how I actually view that mm. as well. And I think that is, you know, people's magic. If you can find a way to keep moving forward mm. and trying new things, then I think you are constantly breaking rules yeah. or breaking ground, yeah. maybe is a better yeah. expression. Yeah, you I know, like that. Of breaking it. ground or yeah. just, it's just rolling everything constantly keeping everything forward. moving mm. and going forward yeah yeah and maybe that's the joy that has come from mm. the bad parts of life you know the last yeah, two years yeah yeah so I, when we whenever we would because um the job can sometimes be laborious in production work we would make each arrangement and I would say to whoever was making them where's the Cecilia Fox magic what what is it? So, yes, you made an, a beautiful arrangement, but what's the thing that makes it a Cecilia Fox thing? Mm. So, yeah, it is a kooky something or something that doesn't look right or whatever it is. It is yeah. a dream. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're pretty accurate with that. So the quick fire round. Mm. Favourite flower? Violets. Of course. Yeah, of I've course. so many beautiful bunches from you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Tied up and left at my back door oh, with yeah. dark black ribbon <laughs> happy happy favorite season autumn because uh love the flowers in autumn love fall like i love autumn foliage love the weather in autumn all of it love it favorite flower combo mm. i don't know if i know this one uh uh Something really traditional with something really contemporary. Beautiful. Which answers my next question, okay. which is traditional or modernity? Both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite job or event in your career, full stop? 
uh, I do think Bulls Rush In was the highlight of my career in Melbourne. Fantastic. Yeah. It was a pretty. My own one. <laughs> it was a my pretty <laughs> great moment. Yeah. It was. Are you front of house or back of house? Back of house. Because? Uh, I'm, I'm just not really that interested in being a show pony or being, yeah, front of house at all. Are you still shy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that social situations don't come easily to me. Yeah. Something I've had to work on. Well, you've done a pretty good job of that. <laughs> as as you know, I'm obsessed with quotes. Do you have any quotes that you'd like to share? You don't have to, but well, if you've got one, that'd be the great. quote that I keep very, very close to my heart is the quote that was on the wall in your office. The one that said, "Design like you don't have to install it." <laughs> <laughs> we love that. I I think about it whenever I design anything. And Isadora was another really pivotal person in that movement for me that she was never afraid to make something happen that I felt like was that it was impossible. So, yeah. Fantastic. That's my quote. The um, That quote can also include, and you <laughs> to start design like you don't have to pay for it <laughs> or yeah, install it as it. well. Yeah. I think it just says about freeing your mind from the well, not from the brief, but the constraints yes. that are eventually going to come to you. Yeah. But if you can create an idea that has the magic or mm. the feeling of something, mm. then when all of that other stuff gets loaded on top of it, it'll still have yeah, a beating it still heart has in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and absolutely. That's what we're after. Thank you so much Aww. for your time today, Mel. Um, we could stay here all afternoon, <laughs> as is with most people who come. Um, I hope you come back to Melbourne really oh, soon thanks I will be back here really soon thank you so much for having me Amanda and yeah you have been an absolute pivotal part of Cecilia Fox and the way that we've grown and changed and moved forward as well it's been a long <laughs> blast yeah thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much thank you